Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Arcade Cabinet Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and TV shows based on video games. I'm your co-host, Player Luke. With me, as always... Player Tuhan. Nice. I'm surprised you've never done that before. We're, what, like 30-some episodes in? I know. I don't want to confuse people with puns and whatnot. It's already a confusing name, so... You don't want to do puns? Really? Just this punts. Ah, <laughs> I apologize. Aww. Yeah, welcome back, folks. Well, welcome back to another episode with us, and uh, I guess we had a we had an interesting pick this time around. We watched uh, the movie Sonic the Hedgehog from the cursed year of 2020. <laughs> yeah, which has just gotten a sequel announced. So the, for the, a the lot movie, of people, not not the year 2020, fortunately. Yeah, thank God. But yeah, there's a lot of people who are really hoping that Sonic the Hedgehog was the last movie they saw in theaters, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will be the first movie they see in theaters after all of this fun stuff. I believe that's what they refer to as the circle of life. It is indeed the circle of life, or perhaps a ring. <laughs> oh, Nailed man. It. So yes, today we are talking about 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog was created by Sega in 1991. Sonic's a, a, he's a he's a young guy, you know, he's a, and uh Sonic was created by Yuji Naka and designed by Naota Oshima. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. Sounded good to me. And our movie is directed by Jeff Fowler and stars Ben Schwartz, James Marston, Jim Carrey, Tika Sumter, Adam Pally, Natasha Rothwell, and Melody Nisofo Neiman. This is our first big foray into movies by Sega, based on Sega games that I'm not super familiar with. I think I've mentioned multiple times now. Yeah, when when we when uh, the randomizer gave us Sonic the Hedgehog in our last episode, I think we were both uh, on the same page. Uh, we we've we both played a little bit of the Sonic games, but Absolutely. I, I personally, I've never finished one. I think the only one I have is the Sonic RPG, oddly, on the Nintendo DS. Oh, dope. So not even a running game. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, uh, yeah. I guess we both learned a lot in this movie. I think so. I think it's interesting that neither of us know the canon. Yeah, but that's part of the fun, you know. We see what the movie gives us, and we learn. Every, no matter what, what happens, we're going to learn something today, folks. Absolutely. I personally feel like you've learned more than I have, so why don't you tell the folks what this movie's all about? Will do. Downtown San Francisco, the city by the bay. A streak of blue light darts through and over the city, being chased by a red streak. Our hero Sonic welcomes us to his story before rewinding back to show us how he got there. He started as a precocious little kid on another planet, raised by a majestic horned owl named Longclaw. And one day, a group of shadowy figures attacks his home. Longclaw, injured in the escape, gives Sonic a bag of magic rings that can teleport him anywhere in the universe, along with a map of safe planets for him to hide on. Ten years later, and we meet Sheriff Tom Lukowski of Green Hills, Montana, sitting at a speed trap with no cars coming in either direction. 
Yet, something is tripping his speed gun by hundreds of miles per hour. He steps out of his car to have a look and finds a strange blue quill in the grass. After a radio call, Tom heads back to town, where he leads an incredibly mundane life with his veterinarian wife, Maddie, but that may change soon as Tom gets accepted to the San Francisco Police Department. Boo! Boo police. It's a running theme. <laughs> Sonic has been living in the forest in secret for several years, getting to know the locals and trying his best to be one of them, but without ever interacting with them. Despite all of his attempts to keep himself distracted from his loneliness, one night while playing baseball against himself, he can bear it no more. He takes off, running the bases in a rage, as his special power builds and then explodes, knocking out the power for miles in all directions, including satellites soaring above. A group of comically dopey military and government men convene in a boardroom to discuss the possible attack. Somehow, the lead general decides they have already exhausted all of their options, and they need to send in someone nobody likes to lead the investigation. A large, ominous truck parks within the makeshift military base that has been set up. Dr. Robotnik descends and belittles the officer in charge before sending out several robotic drones to survey the area. They find Sonic's footprint on a rock, and the hunt is on. Sonic runs to his cave to try and escape to his last known safe spot, a planet of nothing but giant mushrooms. And Italian plumbers. And he really... I was curious about that. Sorry, a little video game reference for you uh, listeners. <laughs> and he really does not want to go there. With the drones and search party closing in, Sonic charges off to find a safer spot to open his portal and escape. That safer spot is Sheriff Tom's garage. Hearing something get knocked over and assuming it is raccoons, Tom grabs his wife's tranquilizer gun and heads out to investigate. Shocked to see a three-foot-tall blue anthropomorphic hedgehog, Tom shoots Sonic in the leg. As the drugs set in, Sonic drops a ring which opens a portal above San Francisco, and as Sonic passes out, he drops the whole bag of rings through where they land on top the Transamerica Pyramid Building. As a waking Sonic and Tom start talking, Robotnik shows up, and eventually the blue fuzzball reveals himself. Tom punches out the doctor, and after disposing of an overzealous drone, he and Sonic hit the road. After getting Tom caught up to speed... <laughs> I'm going I'm to resign from this podcast effective immediately. <laughs> you opened with a pun, you bastard. Pun for me, not for thee. <laughs> Sonic convinces him to help get the rings back. The pair stop at a gas station for some supplies across the street from a biker bar. Sonic's craving for new experiences overcomes him, and throwing on a disguise, grabs himself a table, and soon he and Tom are bonding over living life a little. That is, until a few burly boys take umbrage with their presence, and a Donnybrook ensues. Or is it a hoedown? I forget which one involves small talking animals. Sonic goes full Quicksilver and steps outside of time to resolve the entire incident, setting up hilariousness to ensue upon his return to normal time. They spend the night in a motel, bonding further, and in the morning are back on the road when Sonic is upset to learn that Tom is leaving Green Hills. Their discussion is interrupted by a Robotnik tank giving chase and harpooning their truck. 
An upset Sonic begins to glow and after being accidentally thrown from the truck, explodes with energy upon impact with the tank. But the tank isn't done, becoming smaller and smaller vehicles upon defeat until finally being merely an explosive device. Tom and Sonic finally get rid of the bomb, but Sonic is caught in the explosion and is knocked unconscious. An enraged Robotnik realizes the quill he had his henchman, Agent Stone, grab is now glowing blue with energy, and soon he begins experimenting with it, discovering it contains an infinite amount of power. Tom manages to get his pickup truck to his sister-in-law's house, where his wife Maddie has been staying. There, Tom gets Maddie caught up on the situation as she tries to help the injured Sonic. With our blue alien up and about, and given new shoes by Maddie's niece, our now trio is off to San Francisco to finish their mission. After a brief respite for a good joke about having a kid in a bag, they make it to the roof and find Sonic's rings. But as Sonic says farewell, Robotnik and a slew of drones show up, threatening the lot of them unless they surrender. So Sonic does what anyone would do and throws his friends off of the roof. The drones open fire on Sonic, but he goes into overdrive and starts to take them out while he races down the side of the building to save Tom and Maddie. But Robotnik has outfitted his jet with Sonic's quill, allowing him to keep up with the fuzzball. Sonic is able to get a ring beneath the falling couple, sending them back to Green Hills, while he continues to race around the city trying to get away from Robotnik. Using multiple rings, they traverse the world, but Robotnik finally gets off a shot that sends Sonic through a ring, crashing unconscious in Green Hills. As Tom, Maddie, and the whole town show up, Sonic comes to, his power at full potential. He dismantles Robotnik's machine before Tom tosses a ring behind it. With one final strike, Sonic destroys the craft and sends it hurtling to the mushroom world. With the day saved, Tom decides he doesn't want to leave Green Hills. He and Maddie head home to repair their house, get a gift card to the Olive Garden from a thankful U.S. government, which is unintentionally very ironic right now, and then show Sonic to his new home as he and Maddie have brought all of Sonic's things from his cave and placed them in the attic, making them a true family. Cutting away from this happiness, we find Dr. Robotnik on the Mushroom Planet, now bald and with a glorious game-accurate mustache, vowing to return to Earth with the aid of the quill he still has. And, as is now tradition, we break from the credits as a portal opens outside Green Hills. A small furry creature holds up a device of sorts, tracking Sonic. It's Tails! Sequel movie achieved! But don't look now, things are about to get even more interesting as Mario shows up to invite Sonic to join the Super Smash Bros. arena. Whoa! Is this the first movie we did that joke where Sonic is actually in Super Smash Bros.? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, what an odyssey, really. I think uh, we we enjoyed the little bit of the Sonic games we've played, but this is like a real Joseph Campbell-ass hero's journey here. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of a Joseph Campbell bad transition, do you have a more succinct wrap-up to what you learned from this movie? Uh, That was a real... That was a real uh, humdinger of a segue, but sure. Sonic the Hedgehog is about an orphan sent to Earth from a doomed planet. Crashing in the rural United States, our young hero is adopted by a childless couple in a small town. They teach him the ways of his new planet and help him adjust to his powers and the dangers that accompany those powers. Our hero, some might call him Big Blue, 
doesn't always feel at home here, but by finding and exploring his own humanity, he makes his home here, and then uses his powers to protect truth, justice, and the American way of going really fast. I'm, I'm so proud of you right now. It did remind me of Superman a little bit. I don't mean to get into like comic books or anything. I know we're talking about a video game here, but it just the parallels yeah. were kind of kind of funny to me. I did not notice them, but as you started, I picked up immediately, and that was fantastic. Thanks, man. My alternate short uh, synopsis was just going to be me asking the rhetorical question of, what if a movie did not show or tell, but rather did both at the same time? Hmm. Because that's a lot of, uh, really, like the first half of this movie. Yeah, fair. Anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. We should start by addressing the animation controversy, I think. Sure. So um, I, I feel free to add anything that, that you know that I don't hear. But basically, for those listening, uh, if you don't recall, when the first trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog came out, oh, the yeah. design of Sonic was different than what we see here. And there was a lot of mockery about Sonic's appearance and even some outrage, although I do think it was mostly you know, just m- making fun. So the studio responded uh, fearfully at all this mockery and uh, decided to make all the VFX people work overtime to change it. So between the first trailer coming out and the release of the film, trying to fix the animation of the movie, it was was just like an unprecedented post-production effort from the studio based on um, how freaked out people were about Sonic. And I I didn't think it was that bad. I do think the teeth were very off-putting, personally. Yeah, they were very detailed. Yeah. (laughs) We'll <laughs> do Uncanny Valley on the teeth. I don't know. It looked like grim, almost like grim dark. Uh, huh. I don't want to go like I don't want to say like emo or anything. It wasn't like emo, but it was very much like right. a gritty reboot of Sonic. Even though it did seem to have a lighthearted tone, the appearance of Sonic was a little uh, intense. Yeah, I like the redesign. Yeah, much yeah. better than the original yeah. design. Agreed. He's it's cute. Just yeah, it just really sucks that all those people had to put in all those extra hours absolutely and then all got fired i have yeah just a fucking mess and it feels to me like someone had to have seen the original design and just said this isn't a good idea Mm -hmm. and then a producer probably just like no i love it go for it yeah and they probably still have a job yeah exactly it's a fucking mess the way these uh studios are run and um Frankly, creative decisions are not rewarded usually. Uh, at least, like the people who yeah. came up with them are not rewarded. It's a room full of producers at the end of the day controls like every facet of this shit. The actors, the directors, the writers, the effects people, the crew, whatever, they do their part. But at the end of the day, there's just like a bunch of fucking weird ass, like American psycho washouts in a studio somewhere deciding all of this. <laughs> Everything bad that happens in films is because of those people. And on the note of the creativity and stuff like that, this is a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. Like through and through. It is PG, inoffensive, not overly complicated. A couple jokes for mom and and dad, but uh, generally for kids. Right. It doesn't defy analysis especially our level of analysis <laughs> but it does make it a little difficult uh sure uh, yeah that's that's an interesting way to put it um like you just want to cut it a lot of slack yeah of course and and you know what i 
I gotta say, I had low expectations. Um, Same. I'm a person who watches a lot of bad movies. I'm perfectly happy to do it. I enjoy it sometimes even. Absolutely. But this, like the trailer, it looked bad. It looked shitty. It looked like an ADHD uh, teenager Sonic making quips the whole time. And like, that is part of the movie. Like he is kind of a hyperactive, annoying teenager making reference quips like a lot of the movie. But there's actually like a lot of shit I enjoyed in here. I'm, I'm surprised to say. Good. Um, on the note of things that I enjoyed, this movie immediately opens up with the Paramount logo, which is normally you follow stars as they speed across a lake and wrap around a mountain. And this time it's here, SpaghettiOs. It's, it's Sonic's rings, along, yeah. with the, along with the ring sound, which I thought was really charming. Yeah, that was a cute way to touch things off. Um, and it, it, I think yeah. it was also nice for the adults watching it because... The, the sights and sounds of shit like that do trigger part of your brain, the nostalgia part of your brain. So I felt it. Absolutely. Which I wasn't sure when to ask this. This feels like a great spot for it. So while this movie is for kids, I don't know how popular Sonic is with kids currently. So oh, yeah. who is this movie for? Uh, parents who need something to do with their kids to kill an hour and a half of the day. Fair enough. Like, I don't say that as overly critical. It's just a thought that occurred to me. It's like, this is perfect for me, but it's also clearly designed for kids. And that's just a weird generation gap. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, like, even the thing, the joke I just made about this is for the parents to drag their kids to, that's kind of true, but it also isn't like a knock against the movie because I, as well, was very entertained by this movie at times in ways that I not only was not expecting, but yes, for a movie for children, there was a lot going on that I personally, as a 31-year-old man, enjoyed. Yeah. A childless 31-year-old man. <laughs> you have a dog. She didn't care for the film. Aw. I that, I find that hard she to She just believe. slept through the whole thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of cute things, little baby Sonic is so adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's very precious. I I know I'm falling for the classic Disney thing of CGI creature with huge yeah. eyes. It's psychologically designed to make you fall in love with these characters, and it works. Yep, no point in fighting it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a little scamp, I, I think, would be the right word. Yeah, and also very likable is James Marston. Uh, you know, I hate to say it about a, a police officer, but yeah, sheriff. Yeah, he was small town sheriff. You know, cops are cops, man. Uh, sheriffs are actually often worse than uh, normal police officers. But, Fair enough. But you know, we don't need to get into whole thing about like the dangers of having elected law enforcement officers in off year mm -hmm. elections with very low turnout and the problems <laughs> that produces like. Milwaukee's own David Clark. Uh, we both lived through his bizarre reign as sheriff. Anyway, point being, my eyes are rolling so hard it hurts. Unlike David Clark, Tom Wachowski actually seems like a decent human being and uh, kind of seems to actually care about the town he's the sheriff of. Yeah, man, like the opening of this movie is so pitch perfect in showing us how Sonic got to Earth, mm -hmm. which. Just like Kal-El. <laughs> yes. Well, he came through a portal. Uh, that's true. Um, that's true. More of a Martian Manhunter origin than a Superman origin in that, there we in go. that one respect. Man. 
Someone might stop and think that you like comic books I'm sorry, more than I'm video sorry. games. I just, um, my wires are crossed here. I'm sorry. Back to Sonic. Yeah, they they do a really good job of establishing our two main characters are Sonic and Tom. Yeah, Tom, I think Tom's actually the first person he sees on Earth, if I'm not mistaken. It's at least the first person he introduces us to. Sh- sure, sure, yeah. Who he calls the Donut Lord because he doesn't learn anybody's real name. He just makes up backstories for them and Tom talks to donuts. And then his wife is Pretzel Lady. Yeah. Because she does yoga. And it's also funny because Sonic like knows she's a vet, but he doesn't know what like the word for vet is. So in his mind, she's just the, the flexible yoga lady with no bones. Yeah. Yeah, it does a really good job of here's what Sonic's been doing. Yeah, and, and he is an alien, so while he does have a grasp of what's going on to an extent, it is also novel to him. Yeah, and he also establishes that he realizes he's probably going a little crazy because he's been living alone all these years. That was pretty good. That was a nice way to emphasize he is utterly alone. Yeah. And then just a random note, one of the townspeople is someone called Crazy Carl, who insists there's a blue devil in the woods. And Sonic and him just, it's sort of like a Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which I enjoyed because it had a very uh, The Simpsons Beer Baron moment where Carl's yelling, like, I know you exist. And Sonic just from the darkness is yelling, no, you don't. Yeah. Uh, But how do you feel about this taking place on Earth? Um, I did not really think about it much at all it just worked okay I thought. okay yeah and also yeah, frankly I... going back to like historically movies like this tend to take place on earth got to ground it yeah to make Absolutely. the silliness work yeah i it was just a thought that occurred to me because in creative process it would be so do we make this an entirely cgi movie or do we give a reason for sonic to be with real humans hmm. and like frankly this was the best decision like an all animated movie wouldn't have as much of a appeal to adults so it was a good call yeah so tom gets accepted to the san francisco police department first real establishment of just how adorable tom and maddie are because he comes home she gives him his letter he finds out he was accepted and she presents him a cake to celebrate oh yeah but she bought two cakes <laughs> one for if he got accepted and one for if he didn't that was a and very that fun, is yeah that was great it is adorable they have so much chemistry in this movie i did make fun of the show and tell thing earlier but i think a few of the supporting characters actually have um some really wonderful show instead of tell moments and that was one of the best ones yeah And then outside of that, you know, we're randomly following Sonic around town and he gets to the point where he's alone on a baseball diamond and he decides to play baseball with himself. And it's pretty amazing because they will cut to him standing in different positions like pitcher, batter, catcher, outfielder. With all the different outfits, too. Maybe not not outfits, but like helmets or whatever. Yeah. And all of them different personalities. It's great. This reminded me of something that I don't know if it actually exists or I made it up in my head because I've never been able to find it. When I was a Mm. child, 
I distinctly remember before an All-Star game, them showing a video package. I'm nearly positive it's Ozzie Smith playing every position. Huh. So he pitches a ball, he hits the ball, he stops a grounder, stuff like that. But it's just because it's just from different games where he wound up playing different positions. But I've never been able to find this. Hmm. So I think I'm just insane. Ozzy Smith is awesome. Um, yeah, no arguments here. Right. So Sonic gets upset as he realizes how alone he is. And he starts running and running and running and building up this power. This is the first time we actually see it. Yeah, he builds up a static we- charge. Yeah, and weirdly, they never really explore it. I'm guessing they're going to do it in the next movie. And it's a kid's movie, so that's fine. I was just really surprised that they never really get into it. Well, it scares him when he does it, too. I think he himself wants to avoid doing it ever again. Although it does happen again later in the movie, and he is under duress. Yeah. When that happened to him the first time, he's not the kind of character that, like, I don't know, in some, like, fucking stupid uh, comic book movie would be like, okay, now I'm going to do my hero's journey. Like, Sonic's just basically trying to live a life and have some fun, so he's disturbed by this and actively tries to avoid doing it again, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Um, So, yeah, all that power explodes, and he knocks out a huge chunk of the West Coast power grid. Mm-hmm. And yes, someone out there actually did the math on the amount of damage that would have cost. I'm not going to go into it. Someone after Luke's own heart. Yep, that part is true. Uh, so then a bunch of government goofballs are talking about what happened and trying to figure it out. And one person really sarcastically says, we're good at figuring out what it wasn't, as if that isn't an important skill in problem solving. Well, this is the uh, this is like the top military minds in the country, and frankly, <laughs> yeah, this is how they think. They don't understand yeah. processes. They are hammers. I actually do have some insight on that. So yes, they they are hammers looking for nails. Yeah. So they decide to send in Doctor Robotnik for some reason. Sorry, I think you meant um, Elon Musk, right? <laughs> uh, Elon Musk is trying to get off this planet. So right, right. It was actually, it's a brilliant satire of Elon Musk. It's not like literally Elon Musk. My, my mistake. Oh, we'll confused. talk about that brilliant part in a moment. Yeah. I just want to mention that, so when Dr. Robotnik shows up, why did they waste Neil McDonough on this part? Where it's actually like a cameo more than a role. And it's so weird to think of it as a cameo too. Because it's great. Like he's, it's very funny. It's it's a great cameo. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. But it's also the kind of cameo that makes you think, oh, okay, this like is going to be a dynamic we see more of in this movie, and then he's just gone. To the point where I'm imagining yeah, they cut some scenes. Yeah, because it's Neil McDonough, who is great in everything. B-list actor Neil McDonough. Like he is a he is a character actor superstar. I have seen him be hilarious and I have seen him be absolutely terrifying. Sometimes both, both in one thing. Be- completely believable. Yes, absolutely. Just wasted as Jim Carrey comes in at a 13 when he should be at an 11. Uh, ooh, uh, I disagree. We can talk about it more later, but. Really? Yeah. Huh. I have, yeah, I have some I'd thoughts. See, I thought, oh, okay. Well, good. 
like Jim Carrey's career is so weird because I don't know if there's any movies between it, but I know at least shortly before this, he did Kick-Ass 2 where he was really grounded. Yeah, that was, uh, I I wasn't really interested, but I, I just watched it because there was nothing else out at the time. And um, I don't know, I think comic book movies are kind of silly, but he played a character that felt, like you said, grounded in real life. But we're not here to talk about Kick-Ass 2. No. We'll leave that to some other podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Robotnik comes in, and um, part of the reason the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff like him so much is because he is, I think, the world's foremost expert um, on drone technology and drone warfare. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is some very incisive commentary from uh, a children's movie of a video game. It's that the military-industrial complex is now shifting away from traditional warfare and moving into Skynet style uh, drone warfare. And the first target of that is Sonic. I just want to know if I can pet those robot dogs. Yes. You may not survive, but yes. (laughs) Fair enough. So Robotnik sends out drones, finds some evidence of Sonic and Sonic rightfully freaks out. Yeah, and we get a fun moment of Sonic figuring out what his essential items to take are. And it's cute. Love the large hat. You take your large hat, and you take your comic books, and then you run from the federal government. Those are the top two on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom is on the phone with Maddie, who had gone to San Francisco to look at apartments. And... It's funny, but I could not stop thinking, why does Maddie's sister hate Tom? Tom is just a delightful sweetheart. It's because he's a cop. Um, I thought you were going to say it's funny that she's apartment hunting because she's a veterinarian and he's going to be a police cadet uh, and they're looking for apartments in San Francisco. Are you fucking kidding me? Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Was this movie like, made in 1973? Come on. And they have a dog. Yeah. Ozzy. Beautiful dog. Great dog. Beyond survival reasons of working together with Tom, he like legitimately feels like Tom is his his family at this point. Yeah. I could sympathize. Uh I a couple of years ago I had a severe viral eye infection in both eyes, and I just had to sit alone in the dark for like two weeks. And I was going out of my mind. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's not easy out there. Yeah. So Robotnik follows the path to Tom's house. Again, Jim, take it down a notch, just Jim, a little. Jim, ramp it up more. Frankly, <laughs> wow, I'm really shocked that we're at odds on that one, dude. When when um, uh, when he's like, oh, I'm from the power company. I'm here for to check out like your your power lines or whatever. That and, part was funny and. And Tom's, like, immediately realizing this guy's, like, fucking with me and lying. And he's like, oh, you must know my buddy Spence. Uh, He also works at the power company. His line reading is so fucking good. He, like, looks off into the distance with, like, a thousand-yard stare, and he's like, Spence, he's a good man. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Jim Carrey has a lot of great moments in this. I just think sometimes, bring it down just a little. Mostly when he's going off and just calling people idiots. 
and whatnot. Oh, it's just see, ramped up a little too much. I, I, I totally get what you mean, but this is why I was saying that I, part of why I like it is this is an excellent, excellent satire on like not just Elon Musk, but like Silicon Valley CEOs, tech CEOs, like generally the way they talk about society and people like when they talk about like why they want to go into space or this or that like they clearly think that they are superior to normal human beings it's like a really fucked up weird thing that a lot of tech people do um like zuckerberg and musk and i think obviously carrie's going over the top and it's silly but like he's doing and saying things that are direct satires of an entire facet of our country's economy that has way too much power and influence over other parts of our country and by people who don't view other human beings as partners in a society or fellow citizens. They view them as tools. So to conclude, yes, this is the greatest satire of American society ever filmed. (laughs) Oh, you just love taking down your tech bros. I would have zero shit to say about tech bros if this movie didn't do the best satire of them I've seen in quite some time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, Jim Carrey nails it. Okay. Um, on that same note, I feel James Marston is able to absolutely keep up with Jim Carrey. Yeah, they're good foils for each other. I, I loved James Marston's Tom Tim story. My dentist calls me Tim. And it's just gotten to the point where it's embarrassing to correct him. Mm-hmm. For how far apart they are in their acting careers, especially when it comes to comedy, I really enjoyed watching them bounce off of each other. Yeah. They're both pretty talented actors that don't often get roles that let them show that off because they do tend to do mostly mm-hmm. like genre films. Uh, but yeah, they, they had a lot of good chemistry in their back and forth scenes. Yeah. Everybody has good chemistry in this. They do. So, uh, yeah, Robotnik shows up, he blows up the spot, and then Tom has to go on the run as a fugitive with Sonic. Road trip! Road trip, yeah. It it starts off, uh, Sonic is hiding in Tom's house as Robotnik does this whole pretending to be a power company guy and then reveals who he is and does his whole monomaniacal, I know you're hiding something, and then he threatens Tom with a drone, uh, which again, you know, more military-industrial complex commentary. Then Sonic reveals himself to save Tom, they punch out Robotnik, and the drone starts shooting at them, and uh, they make their escape, and and yeah, then then road trip time. Yeah. I immediately clapped when the drone starts firing at them, and Sonic's reaction is to flat out say, this feels excessive. Totally. Because absolutely, it is. Yeah, that, exactly. Especially for a kid's movie. Yeah. So yeah, road trip. Uh, first stop is across the street from a biker bar? Um, yeah, so, uh, Tom wants to use a payphone and tell Sonic to stay in the car and Sonic being Sonic immediately goes into the biker bar, uh, with a, uh, what can be described as a, if you've never seen a bar in real life, but you have seen a cowboy movie of a bar, <laughs> he dresses up like that, goes in, hangs out yep. and just watches uh, some dancing. Yeah. Just a little backtrack. Adam Pally is in this movie as a deputy and he is fantastic in Mm -hmm. every goddamn way he just plays a big lovable dummy yeah pally's great in this um he's basically like a very put upon deputy who 
takes everything literally and is clearly like a very sweet human being who probably is in over his head as a sheriff's deputy, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Very Barney Fife. That that's for old people like me. Mm-hmm. Or for people who watch The Simpsons and have picked up uh, secondhand references like me. Ah, fair enough. So yeah, back to the bar, we get a fun montage of Tom and Sonic enjoying life because Sonic is accepting that he doesn't have a whole lot of time on Earth, so he wants to live as much of Earth stuff before he goes to a planet filled with nothing but breathable air and mushrooms. Right, right. Tom basically explains the concept of a bucket list to him, and Sonic immediately makes one and starts checking things off because uh, if you're you know super fast, why not? Just get right to it. Yeah. Until a group of tough guys mm. accuse James Marston mm-hmm. of being a hipster, which is funny because James Marston is a Oklahoma boy in real life. Yeah, so they, they basically pull the whole, like, we don't take kindly to your kind around here thing. Uh, but I fucking love the bar fight City scene. folk, not racist. Exactly, exactly. Not ra- <laughs> That was a great save. These are not racist people. But uh, yeah, right. the whole thing starts off like a classic, you know, like Roadhouse, basically. Like, tough guy showdown. Yep. The bikers come up to them and say, we don't like your kind around here. When, when Tom asks what they mean by that, they say, hipsters. Yeah. And whatever the fuck and Sonic was doing also looks like a hipster. Which is funny because he's just this short little guy who James Marson basically describes as having progeria without saying progeria. Mm-hmm. Those, those pesky skin conditions, you know. Yeah. And a fight ensues and we get another fun Sonic can move so fast time stops type thing. Yeah, what the fuck speed powers could Sonic have? that he just runs really fast throughout the entire movie, but in this one scene, he freezes time or just moves so fast Two. that time is essentially frozen. He does no, do no, it no. twice. It, he it, does it at the no, end. No, no, no. Okay, so if time had still been moving during the bar fight, like, extremely slowly, yes. But it's outright frozen. At the end, it's just moving extremely slowly. And it's, oh, it's weird because okay, it does saying. suck out some of the tension which exists in that that third act showdown because time is moving slowly. There is still danger and tension. But here, he literally just freezes time. And it seems like they just did it for humor purposes. Because like you said, he does the Quicksilver thing of uh, goes around, moves people around, takes selfies, does silly shit. But it does seem like they froze it to play it for laughs as opposed to like, this is his power. Because at the end, it's moving slowly. So it was a little weird, but... Yeah, I was a little confused. He just seems to outright freeze time this one and only moment. I enjoyed it because, again, kids movie. Oh, wow. What a world where you're the one enjoying something just because and I'm the one nitpicking. <laughs> it happens very rarely, but it happens. I guess so. But uh, uh, yeah, so Sonic saves the day by freezing time just this once. Yeah, we get a little look at Sonic's bucket list as he finally passes out from exhaustion. He's knocked off most of the items already. But what doesn't he knock off? Make a real friend. Aww. Aww. He's a real little guy. Yeah. Like, I figure he's maybe 15. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think, honestly, like, younger no. based on the way the movie starts, but also... Who knows, like, what their life cycle's like if this is, like, a baby Yoda situation, <laughs> you know? It's Krogu. 
<laughs> yeah, excuse me. Fucking Grogu. But then, yeah, so Sonic eventually gets to check that item off of his bucket list because, the, as we all know, the best way to make real friends is to be involved in an intense chase scene with them. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a good chase scene, too. Um, yes. Straight out of Fast and the Furious, which they actually reference in that scene. So we're back on the road, and Sonic and Tom get into a little fight about Tom leaving. As this drone tank has harpooned them, Sonic is getting into it with Tom. <laughs> Priorities. But we get a lot of fun little stuff here, like Sonic is glowing with his power because he's getting so upset at Tom, and then mm -hmm. he accidentally like flies into the tank and blows up and knocks it on its side. It's the first and time he, makes, he does uh, his little speedy uh, roll-up-into-a-ball move from the games. Yeah, and he makes a, I think I got a bonus life joke, which mm -hmm. I found delightful. Yeah, I, he, he is a kid. He probably does play video games. Yeah, uh, yeah, and a lot of times with a lot of video game movies and TV shows, as we've discussed, they will try so hard to cram video game references in that just don't work mm -hmm. but this as just yeah. a joke reference works great right right and i think to to elaborate on that point slightly i think this is one of the rare films that's adapted from a video game that's like not in some way shape or form embarrassed about that if that makes sense um yeah i think like some video game adaptation even some like comic book adaptations which you know again these are those are fucking like silly movies but some of them seem like embarrassed about being comic book adaptations and like yeah. the character will say like their code name and then someone will quip like really that's what you're going with or something it's like yeah it's a fucking it's based on a comic book like you can just accept the fun silliness of it you don't have to make it like oh we're doing a real movie about this dumb bullshit for kids uh i don't know so i, I appreciate mm -hmm. that about sonic yeah, yeah, and this this chase scene is just nice and fun with a lot of little things. But so yeah, Sonic destroys the the big drone, and uh, they're excited. They they like, yeah, we did it. Let's keep going. But then a smaller portion of it breaks off and continues pursuit, which reminded me a lot of the Batmobile in Dark Knight, which uh, gets destroyed, but then breaks off into a motorcycle. And again, I'm sorry. I know we're not here to talk about comic book movies. This one thing just reminded me of a comic book movie just this one thing this one thing one final reference uh-huh but yeah yeah the tank pops out and sonic has a great line of i think that tank just had a baby yeah very wholesome yeah he also learns how to drive a car on the spot because uh tom takes on uh the the increasingly smaller drones that uh continue pursuing them yeah which is weird why not let sonic continue he's already gotten two of them yeah i think this is the part of the movie where tom starts feeling like especially protective of sonic as opposed to the uh yeah. sort of begrudging assistance he's giving him before this fair enough yeah and, and part like of that is adult, because like you said it, it is because also sonic confronted him about like you know why would you leave like you can't leave the town you grew up in um, I, I was forced to leave my home. Why would you leave yours willingly? Which is an interesting dynamic. And and uh, I think that reminds Tom that Sonic is like essentially like a child who needs help and protection. Yeah. And 
doubled by, you know, the fact that, as you mentioned, he's an adult. He doesn't have kids of his own. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to realize that, oh, yeah, this is a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives us the I'm learning how to drive right now joke. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's sweet. Like he's teaching Sonic to drive kind of. It's uh, it's very wholesome, like a real Jonathan Kent moment. Ah, sorry. Last one. Last one. Uh, eventually the drone gets so small, it's just a bomb. Mm-hmm. And more commentary on drone warfare. Anyway. <laughs> and it keeps sticking to them. Them being Tom and Sonic as they're trying to get rid of it. And eventually Sonic is caught in an explosion and knocked out cold. Yeah, but luckily they're pretty close to San Francisco, so they finish the trip. And uh, Tom's reunited with his wife, uh, his niece, his sister-in-law. And uh, his sister-in-law, as you mentioned, not a fan. Not a fan. Like, at all. No. But his wife, very, very understanding lady. uh, Confused and freaked out by this alien in their midst. but Understandably. Very understandably. But holding it together. Holds it together. Comments on how well she's holding it together, which is true. And uh, then joins in the uh, quest to save Sonic from Robotnik. Yeah. And speaking of Robotnik, we get possibly one of my favorite moments with him. He's back in his truck bus lab thing. And... He's interrupted by his uh, crony henchman. His right-hand man, Mr. Stone. Yeah, Uh, Agent Stone, and realizes that Agent Stone still has one of Sonic's quills, which is now glowing. And so I bring this up because it feels like one of two things happened. Because Jim Carrey takes the quill touches it to his tongue and like has a freak out from it like he's got electrocuted Mm -hmm. and then he immediately offers it to agent stone to do the same thing much like elon musk he would rather use his cronies (laughs) for lab experimentation than himself now see i took it as just a complete moment of improv i mean in real life yeah of course i'm yes doing uh excessive analysis here (laughs) but yeah like it felt like either that was the improv or they did it once realized it funny and did it again just so that um the actor lee much probably just started laughing immediately because it was a very funny thing to do and then that leads to robotnik testing the quill yeah the power goes out from the testing evil men rarely admit they're evil he's listening to music about being evil it's actually the anarchy playlist but the song is about being evil. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and the power goes out, and he pulls out a Zippo. And... Also, sorry to do another video game reference here. Uh, we're trying to focus on Sonic, but Sonic's like hair quill thing. It looks exactly like a needler round from Halo. It does. I didn't put that together. I was never a Especially big... when it's glowing. Yeah, I was. I was never a big Halo guy, but now that you say it, it sticks out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was not intentional, but... uh, Oh, I'm sure. We take these beautiful little crossover moments uh, where we can get them. Yeah. And then speaking of another video game crossover, Jim Carrey does like a weird Dance Dance Revolution thing while he waits for (laughs) the computer to finish analyzing the quill. It's so weird. I loved it, personally. But uh, I think we agree to disagree on Carrey. I didn't hate it. I just thought 
Yeah. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was weird. Just out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, part of its charm. Yeah. It's a very dark helmet playing with its action figures. Oh, absolutely. Um, But then the computer finishes analyzing the quill, and he realizes that this one bit of Sonic's hair, it, it can generate unlimited power, which Robotnik gets very excited about because he has a very special drone craft that uh, he has not been able to power properly. Are you sure he's not going to try to develop a way to bring free energy to the entire planet? No, because remember I said this is a satire on Elon Musk. Oh, so, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, no, I forgot No interest that. in improving society. So while Sonic is unconscious and Maddie is checking him over, she talks about his feet, and it just sounds so sad. And then... Maddie's niece gives Sonic new shoes, and very it's sweet. so adorable. Very wholesome. It is so sweet. Also, very funny that when Sonic's like in his little passed out coma mode, and they're examining him, Tom asks, "Do you have like animal smelling salts you can use on him?" And his veterinarian <laughs> wife says, "No, I have human smelling salts we can use on him." Yeah. This dumbass does not know what his wife does for a living, even though he knows what his wife does for a living. Yeah. Also, because uh, she's like, what is this? And James Marsden's like, I don't know. It called itself a hedgehog. Like, to be so fair, it does, Sonic does not look like a hedgehog. So that's pretty great. And there's so much great chemistry for everyone here, even the sister who they bungee cord tie up on a chair and pretend she isn't there. Yeah. Well, she was going to sell them out. Because, uh, yeah. understandably, very freaked out about this alien situation. Yeah. And even the dog and Sonic have great chemistry. Yeah, it's impressive. But then uh, but then we get to the heart of why they're in San Francisco. It's not just to reunite Tom with his wife. It's because earlier in the film, Sonic accidentally, while trying to uh, escape, opened a ring to San Francisco and uh, lost his bag of rings, which he needs to teleport himself around. He loses it mm-hmm. in that ring that goes to San Francisco. Uh, the bag lands on the roof of a skyscraper, and then the ring closes. Yeah, and they make it downtown, letting Sonic drive, because that was on his bucket list. It yep. does not go great, but they get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have to get to the roof, which is locked. Tom decides to abuse his power. I'm going to pause and let you have at it cops are bad folks i don't know i don't know what you want me to say here (laughs) i was just giving you another opportunity to say that yeah no i mean i'll say it every time i just i hope that at a certain point it really just sinks in with our fans and listeners the cops cops are bad you know you might know a couple of good ones here and there individually sure uh but we're you know we're not an individualistic podcast we're a systemic podcast and cops are bad (laughs) i apologize for nothing as we say yep yeah, they, they get up to the roof. You know, in my mind, a speedster would just run up the side of the building, but Sonic, I guess he's not that kind of speedster, so they actually have to go into the building, take an elevator to the roof. Yeah. And I guess they didn't have a cowboy outfit for Sonic, so they just literally shove him <laughs> in a duffel bag and go for an elevator. And then we get this very funny scene of uh, Tom and his wife. They're waiting for the elevator with Sonic yep. in this bag. And then a couple other people, you know, it's a big office building. A couple other people are waiting for the elevator. And Sonic, who cannot shut the fuck up, (laughs) is like talking about how scared and uncomfortable he is. And the people next to them are freaking out because there's like 
what they think is a child in this bag saying, I can't breathe in here. This is worse than when you stuck me in the dog cage. Hello, anybody there, let me out. And uh, this being San Francisco, the two people just back off instead of trying to interfere. Or they back (laughs) off because Tom says he's a cop and they're afraid of getting gunned down in cold blood. I don't know, 50-50. Probably the last cop joke. We'll see. We'll see. James Marsden does not get in trouble for child trafficking. Uh, They get up to the roof. Mm -hmm. They find the bag of rings. And uh, Sonic is uh, getting ready to move to Mushroom Planet. Yeah. It's a very, very touching goodbye. They've had this adventure and become friends. Sonic desperately does not want to go to a Mushroom Planet. and Understandable. All three of them just have such good chemistry maddie's teasing them about their friendship but it doesn't feel mean Mm -hmm. no she thinks they're cute together yeah because they are yeah sonic is like kind of their pseudo child at times in this which is interesting yes and in sonic's mind they sort of raised him because so much of what he picked up on earth culture is from watching movies through their living room window with them and stuff like that you know that's a very good point. There's his tether. Aw. And then Robotnik shows up with a whole lot of drones. More drones, folks. More drones. And just like in real life, the drones fire uh, missiles and bullets at uh, civilians in heavily populated areas. But unlike real life, they're doing this in the United States, not uh, Middle Eastern countries in Africa. Man, it would be crazy if legally the military could do that here uh they can they can legally <gasps> they, can. they can legally murder uh, american civilians now thanks to uh thanks to the department of justice i believe wrote a wrote a paper justifying the murder of american civilians without cause surely a democratic president wouldn't have signed that into law would they no well because you know you don't have to sign it into law that's the beauty of it you <gasps> just give vague national security reasons and then you can murk anyone you want that's America, baby. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. On to a more fun note. Greatest country I in the world. did like that both Tom and Maddie make fun of Robotnik's clothes. Like, Maddie is just immediately, this guy's a drip. I'm going to make fun of him. My favorite part is uh, when Tom's like, what are you, on your way to Comic-Con? Because he does look like an idiot comic book character. Yes. Like most comic book characters, frankly. Also very funny that Robotnik's like, welcome to San Francisco. Hope you're enjoying the clam chowder. No one follows up on that, <laughs> which I really liked. Uh, and also Robotnik. Uh, In the best ways. Yeah, totally. And then Robotnik breaks the fourth wall by saying, talking time is over. Time to push buttons. <laughs> I wish it said mash buttons, but, you know, you take what you can get. Yeah, fair. Robotnik about to press buttons. And Sonic throws his friends off of a skyscraper. Yep. I love how unpredictable that was. Yeah. It's uh, part of the fun of Sonic is you do not know what this weird alien teenager is going to do at any given moment. And I do love that Robotnik appropriately is also surprised. He backtracks to try to make it sound like he knew it was going to happen somehow because He's up his own ass. It's an interesting character thing that Carrie does with Robotnik is anytime 
Robotnik is faced with the possibility that he was wrong, he retroactively justifies himself being correct, actually. And this is no exception. It's amazing. Imagine if thousands of people in this country were like that. Yeah, and especially if they were uh, tech entrepreneurs with uh, tons mm. of money and like no regulation or oversight. That would be wild. But this yeah. is this is a silly movie. This isn't real life, so. <laughs> Immediately, Sonic goes into his freezing time thing again. And one of the few things I know about Sonic, they do his game idle animation, which is him tapping a foot, looking bored, and looking at his watch. Nice. Yeah. Um. And then he launches into, you know, his hyper mode, taking out the drones before running down the building with his rings in order to throw one in front of his friends. And Robotnik, in that time, is able to press his button, which taps into Sonic's power and allows him to also move as fast as Sonic. Well, specifically his drone that he's uh, flying yes. personally. I guess it's not a drone anymore. It's like a one-man fighter craft since he's yeah. piloting it technically. And it's my time to make a comic book reference. Presumably it's sort of like the Speed Force where it just wraps his jet in an envelope. Huh. So that it's not moving fast. He's moving fast within it as well. Interesting. Um, just nitpicky yeah. science. Yeah. Which surprises Sonic and we get a nice tense moment where he's trying to run down the side of the building and then get shot at and all mm -hmm. of his rings go everywhere and he almost doesn't save his friends, but he does. The one ring he still has. Sends them back home to Green Hills where Tom immediately gets to help birth a cow. Also, it's funny that they ask Tom for help. His wife is the veterinarian. Holy shit. I did not re... Wow. Misogyny is alive and well, Luke. We don't live in a in a great society all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And to add, I'll add to that in a little bit because, you know, that we're, we're all caught up to the flashback at the start part where Sonic's running around San Francisco. You're probably wondering what an extremely attractive hedgehog is doing here as the film starts. Yes. And so Sonic starts throwing rings to try to get out of the city and away from Robotnik. So he mm -hmm. zips through France, and then he zips yep. across the Great Wall of China, and I just started tensing up a little, like, oh, don't, don't destroy no, cultural landmarks. Luke, they, and then they don't. They put that in so that they can have it in the trailers when the movie comes out in China. It's like how the Transformers oh, movie, point. a few Transformers movies ago, they had this whole Stanley Tucci in China segment, which is actually a great part of that movie. It's not a good movie. But it was clearly like, all right, let's fucking have Stanley Tucci wander around China and <laughs> throw in 20 minutes of this and then boom, make tons of money in China. Yeah, that does explain why they don't blow up any part of the Great Wall of China, because then they go to Egypt where they straight up blow up the Sphinx and mm, one of the pyramids. Mm, should have been a larger media market for Hollywood products, Egypt. That's on you. Yeah. It legitimately, I went from being happy they didn't blow up the wall of China to blowing up landmarks in Egypt instead. It's just, mm -hmm. damn it, so close. Uh, but the attack in Egypt does result in Sonic again being knocked unconscious, but as he flies through a portal mm -hmm. back to Green Hills, uh, where we get the nice standard showdown between our uh, tech bro trying to understand why... 
these people are trying to defend something that isn't even human, which goes a little beyond tech bros. It's but. also funny because he makes it clear how little he thinks of human life multiple times right. before this. Which then also leads to a hero rises type moment as Sonic is overhearing all of the banter and he's waking up and he's just getting more and more upset and wanting to protect his friends. Sort of looks like he gets struck by lightning and then just steps out of it, pulsing with energy. And it's it's cliche, but it's yeah. awesome. And I felt jacked watching it. It reminded me, reminded me of that movie from a couple years ago, Shazam. I don't know if you saw that one. Sorry, yes, nothing I to do that. with this episode. I'm, I just, it just I saw Shazam. Me of that random movie. Anyway. Yeah, good comparison, though. Um, cause then we get a what is basically a standard Sonic fight. He just starts bouncing around like a mad pinball, wrecking Dr. Robotnik's jet uh, with little explosions and energy. And, you know, it's this brave moment for him. Uh, he steals back the energy from his quill, superpowers up, and then Tom throws a ring behind the ship and Sonic sends it through. It sends Dr. Robotnik to the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. Crossover episode. Yeah. I legitimately am curious if that was a Mario reference. I don't think it was a shot at Mario, but I'm just curious if it was a reference. I, I think it was a shot, but in like the nicest possible way, like a friendly rivalry mm-hmm. type thing. I don't know. It seemed very intentional. Yeah, Sonic is primarily on Nintendo systems now and has been for years. So, like, yeah. you know, they're on good terms. And then, you know... Sonic gets adopted. Functionally adopted. Yeah! Yeah, it's it's so adorable. And they stay in Green Hills. They don't go to San Francisco. Tom and... doesn't become a big city cop who, uh, I don't know, brutalizes peaceful protesters or whatever. <laughs> Man, I can't wait till we get to a Resident Evil movie. Any day now. I'm surprised we haven't gotten one yet. It is shocking because mm-hmm. there are so many. You know, that's the beauty of the randomizer. We don't know what we're going to get. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's more or less it. I do think that's, it's funny. Uh, less it, not more or less it, because uh, we have a mid credit scene. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about anyone joining the Avengers. Yeah. We see a, right. a classic Sonic character. Uh, comes through a ring to our world and is apparently looking for Sonic. Yeah. And that character is Tails. Yeah, it's a little Tails. setup for Woo! the sequel. Like, it's cute. Yeah. And was it before or after we get Robotnik in the Mushroom world? That's actually pre-credits, I believe. Okay. Even taking out the tech bro comparisons, just the fact that he spends so much of the movie just crapping on humans. It's hilarious that he's alone on this other planet and going mad and found a rock, carved a face on it, and talking to it. He, he calls it Agent Stone. Like and makes his, lots of great rock puns with it. Yeah, many. So it's it's funny to me that the guy who spends the whole movie talking about how he hates humanity clearly misses human interaction i didn't really that didn't occur to me uh but that's a great point yeah uh, so yeah that that more or less wraps us all up this uh surprisingly fun little movie here yeah like i said up top it's 
straightforward. It's clearly for kids, but it's very enjoyable. I don't think it talked down to no. kids at all. Like, Ben Schwartz as Sonic is great. Very charming with what could have been an extremely annoying character. He is a yeah. quip machine. He does so, not stop quipping. And luckily, <laughs> Ben Schwartz is one of the maybe, like, I don't know, nine voice actors in the world who could pull this off without it being a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. solid. So, so yeah, and, uh, because this is so straightforward, I don't really have any final thoughts. Do you? Oh, just a couple. Um, I mean, again, I I want to applaud this film. It was a very pleasant surprise. I thought I'd be wasting an hour and a half of my life. It looked so stupid in the trailers, and this was, like, funny and entertaining, and there's actually, like, effort put into it, which I did not expect at all. It just kind of looked like a cash grab (laughs) piece of shit in the trailers, and it's not it's like it's fun it's i think like you 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 random listener listening to this right now more likely than not would enjoy this movie more than you dislike it and i think we already complimented some of the cast i think the supporting actors just did such a good job in bringing this world to life and being foils to uh the main cast like Mm -hmm. that joint chiefs of staff meeting could have been like five seconds long but it was like very funny and had some some familiar faces in it um uh, you you mentioned Adam Pally as as the deputy. He's extremely funny. He and Tika Sumter, who played uh, yeah. uh, Maddie, they just steal every scene they're in. Oh, they're so, so good. good. We we mentioned Neil McDonough. He only has the one scene, but going against Jim Carrey, like they were very funny together. I think like everyone who has a one on one scene with Jim Carrey it does such a good job of playing off of that. Absolutely. Very observant. Carl could have been like an absolute joke of a character, but he had a couple of good scenes, and they they validate him. I loved that joke. Very observant, Carl. It's less problematic than yes. Crazy Carl, and it's accurate. Yeah, yeah it was great that when, when James Marsden's like, oh my God, Crazy Carl was right in Sonic's like, yeah, you should not call him that. He's very observant, Carl. <laughs> oh. We said Schwartz was great, Marsden was great. Um, I From the trailer, I actually felt bad for Marsden. I was like, this is a sad moment in your career, sir. But uh, he did great. Yep. and That's hop. Yeah. He's he's no Bob Hoskins, but you know, for someone acting against an entirely CGI character, he did it swimmingly. No complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my final thought. Uh, my final thought is kind of like the main reason I like this movie, and it's because surprisingly, this movie is like pretty anti-capitalist and anti-cop. Like the cop stuff is very simple. Like Tom and Wade, the deputy and the main sheriff, uh, they're not very smart or helpful. In any given situation, Tom shoots Sonic with a tranquilizer gun and does not apologize or even really feel bad. Sonic pushes him about it and Tom just like brushes him off. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I shot you. Okay. Which is like what real cops do. They don't take uh, responsibility for their actions. He's bored of being a small town cop and wants to move to San Francisco, which kind of sketch because I guarantee any bored small town cop who wants to move to a big city isn't doing it for like more restaurants there aren't that many opportunities to beat people up in small towns. I think the most inadvertently funny part of the movie is when the news is talking about Tom and they refer to him as an armed and dangerous domestic terrorist, which like, yeah, he's a cop. That's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So so the, the capitalist side of things, uh, I talked a little bit about, you know, tech bros and whatnot, but I think it's like really important that this movie focuses on drones as much as it does and you know, Sonic points out, like, these are excessive. And uh, at one point, they're shooting at him. He jumps on one. He says, can you believe Amazon is going to deliver packages with these things? 
And later when Robotnik's doing the uh, Russian doll thing with his drones and smaller and smaller drones keep popping out of the destroyed drones to go after Sonic, Robotnik says to himself, ever wonder where your tax dollars are going? Which is an excellent commentary on the government's over-reliance and under-regulation of the tech industry and the military-industrial complex. Like, we're the richest country in the world. We have a bigger military than the next 13 countries combined, 10 of which are our allies. And instead of using any of those resources to make society better for the people who pay the money that is being wasted on this stuff, we just have these clowns who say stuff like, I'm disrupting the status quo. And then they get billions of dollars from credulous venture capitalists and our own federal government gives them so many subsidies because theoretically these people are going to use technology to improve society. But look at how much money, like we've, we've given billions of tax dollars to Tesla. That's the reason it still exists as a company. They've never really turned a profit, but our government just keeps giving money to these people. Really, they're just accelerating our demise. Like look at how climate change has exploded in the last 20 years. And I'm not a Luddite, okay? I just hate seeing our elected officials fawning over guys like Elon Musk and giving him fucking contracts to build stupid fucking tunnels that one car can drive through at a time instead of just paying for more public transit, which has existed for centuries. And it's a successful method of transportation. Plus, all of Robotnik's drones are used for nefarious purposes. Nothing to advance public interest. They're used to hurt people or to spy. And uh, a further commentary is we see Robotnik in this movie using the police and military when he needs them, but otherwise belittling them and making it clear that they're tools, not partners. Okay, this is a metaphor for how capital uses vessels of state violence and the threat of that violence against anyone who challenges capital. They view the police as useful idiots, not as coalition partners in their management of society. And this movie has done more to portray that than any blockbuster I've seen in quite a while. And I think that might be my favorite thing about this movie, actually, if you don't mind pivoting to our, our favorite things here. Go go for it. So, yeah, so just speaking of Elon Musk again, I think Jim Carrey's Dr. Robotnik is just like the perfect commentary on Musk and other uh, Silicon Valley tech bros. Like Robotnik is cold, uncaring, devious, obviously very smart, obviously very capable, kind of charismatic in a way. But he uses his skills and our tax dollars to build murder drones. And he's so condescending to everyone he interacts with. He mocks them. He tells them he prefers machines to people. He makes silly jokes. And it seems like a silly thing for, you know, the kids or whatever. But that's what Elon Musk does. He thinks he's like a living meme. He's, he's, a, he's a joke of a person in public sometimes. So I just think like, I think Jim Carrey really studied that when he decided to portray Robotnik. I enjoyed the, you know, the, the anti-capitalist, anti-police stuff. But I think friend of the pod, Jim Carrey, he was probably the standout. (laughs) He just did. He did not phone it in. He turned in uh, scene stealing performance after performance. He channeled all the elitism and inhumanity we see from Silicon Valley and put that into one just bananas character. Just great commentary on why we cannot rely on the tech industry to solve all of our problems. And his energy level is just at perpetually at 110%. He could have bullshitted this to catch a check, but he is having a blast to the point where I kind of want to see the sequel. Only kind of? Well, I'm just trying to pretend to yeah. be cool, but uh, I'm going to see the sequel. <laughs> um, what was your favorite thing? I thought you were going to talk about the relationships because oh, those are great. that is yeah. hands down my favorite thing. Sure, sure. No, totally. That's fair. Like, especially Tom and Maddie and Tom and Sonic, mm-hmm. but everybody is so good together. Yeah, the, the chemistry is off the charts. 
Yeah. I mean, especially Tom and Maddie. Like, you believe that they probably met in high school or freshman year of college. Yeah. And have just been best friends this whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice way to put it. It elevates the movie as well. It makes you feel warm and happy to see people being warm and happy. And that's really, it's just that simple. It's just everybody just works so well together, even the niece. Yeah, yeah. The sister-in-law slash sister. Who's rightfully suspicious of Tom. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's all I got. What do you have for Fix This Movie? Uh, Fix This Movie, I think that Sonic was all right. I think the character would have been a lot more interesting if they'd made him more alien. Hmm. He's just like a hyperactive fish out of water. And I feel like they could have done so much more with that and played with it for humor uh, or for the plot, whatever. I, I mean, I don't care that Sonic always speaks English. Like, even before he came to Earth, he spoke English. I don't care about that. I'm not an asshole. I just mean, like, aside from his appearance hmm. and speed, he's basically just like a reference machine teenager. Um, I think they could have made him weirder and less adaptable to Earth life. They They kind of played with it a little bit. Like, I think it's really funny that he refers to himself as a hedgehog. I like that they did that um, and that he's like confused that people don't think he's a hedgehog. Hmm. I think that he could have been like more freaked out and confused about the things going on around him to an extent. And if he learned about our culture by watching movies through the living room window of Tom and Maddie, maybe he picked up some like weird things from movies that he thought were normal. They could have played with that a little. Instead, he just kind of quips a lot. And some of it's funny and like it works in the moment really well more often than not. But he doesn't know what a bucket list is and he doesn't know what a chili dog is, but otherwise he's like extremely online teenager. I don't think the movie's missing that much because of it, but just personally, I feel like they make it clear he's not from earth. And I think that they then opted not to explore that in the most interesting ways, but it's also, you know, video game logic, whatever. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. What would you fix? Tone down Robotnik just a little. Oh, just boy. a little. And it's fine as is. I thought you were going to say animate Sonic's dong, but I'm, <laughs> I'm floored. I'm surprised right now. So continue, please. <laughs> no, just, just tone him down a little bit. Because, I mean, I'm not a parent. I'm an uncle. But from just that perspective of how mean Robotnik is, just tone him down a little bit. Hmm. Not a lot, just a little bit. Sure. I I didn't think about that side of it. That is probably a lot for the kiddos. Yes. I will concede. It, it is a lot. Like I said, he comes in at a 13. If he came in at 11, that's still, you know, going big. Yeah. But it's a little it's bit. It's also like kind of what we expect from uh, him. The 11 Jim Carrey is like the default, I think we expect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Jim Carrey can necessarily turn it down because little story story time a friend of mine who lives in la was uh filling up his car with gas and he decided to run into the store and grab something so he heads towards the store someone's coming in behind him so he holds the door open turns to look and that's jim carrey just coming in coming in behind him to the gas station and uh he's holding the door open for jim carrey who's like maybe like 10 15 feet away sees my friend holding the door i think any of us in that situation we'd walk a little faster uh but jim carrey starts Mm -hmm. power walking flinging his arms side to side as he does so passes my friend at the door salutes him and says thanks buddy and heads into the gas station so maybe this is just what he's wow. like you can't tell him to tone it down if that's just who he is yeah that's entirely possible i mean the guy is 
pretty open about his own mood swings and emotional struggles. So yeah, who knows? Depends on the day. Yeah. Obviously, he can tone it down. He's put in some fantastic dramatic yes, performances in his life. Absolutely. Um, I I think I'm just like uncritically a fan of Jim Carrey. Um, I don't care if that's on the record here. I think he's very funny and talented, <laughs> and uh, I support him. Do whatever you want, Jim. Good job, Jim. So with that, um, oh wait, shoot, I forgot to hook up the thing. I, I'm going right, to go I'll, do that. I'll quick. do the wrap do up. The, I'll do the wrap up. Wrap us yep. up. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, if you are a fan of our podcast art, please look up our graphic designer, Catherine, over at Lone Shoe Graphics. She does great work. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, please uh, send us an email at snarknightspod at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at snarknightspod. Luke, you done? Oh, okay. okay. I just got back. Did dude. you plug in the randomizer? Yep. Randomizer okay, plugged perfect. in. All right, I did the wrap-up, so uh, now we can just jump to my favorite part of this whole endeavor. Luke Uh is going to push a button and activate our randomizer. The randomizer has been programmed with the name of every single film adaptation of a video game, and it is now crunching those numbers and is going to spit out a result, and that result will be our next film we discuss here at the Arcade Cabinet. Okay, this is odd. So apparently in our next episode, we're going to talk about 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, you know, the guy who did the uh, the end credits song to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie also did the end credits song for that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Wiz Khalifa? Ah, oh, look at you. Right? 40-year-old white guy knowing who a rapper is. Bravo. ha, 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 ha. Well, hopefully you'll be laughing more than that when we watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's weird. Maybe the randomizer, like, did some weird algorithm between that and Sonic? I don't know. Yeah, it beats me. I mean, it's also kind of weird because obviously there's the video games, but, like, isn't this right. originally a comic or something? It's absolutely originally a comic. Jesus Christ. Well, we don't always get good picks here, folks. Sorry to say, but... It happens. Guess we're up on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles next. Yes, we are. And until then, I apologize for everything I got wrong.